really insane. But I said, let me borrow some money, Coralie. <laughs> she didn't know what to say. You couldn't hardly ever catch her off guard, you know. But anyway, that's just having a little fun. And the church wants to give you this card with a gift inside. And the church wants to tell you. Happy birthday. Let's sing happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday, dear pastor. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Amen. Y'all love you, Pastor. Give him a nice hand. Anybody want to say anything to the pastor while we got him embarrassed a little bit? I'll step outside if you need to. <laughs> I'd like to say something. All right, go ahead. I just want to thank God there are uh, churches out there, plenty, that don't have preachers proclaiming boldly the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just want to thank God that uh, he has sent us one that will do that for us. And we just love you and appreciate you, Pastor. Anyone else? We'll bring... We'll, <laughs> we'll bring a microphone out there to you if you got something you want to say. One right here. Two right here. let you go first <laughs> okay this is my name is Jenny right okay um thank you my lord I'm safe um you bring uh, treats a day here's some the best of guests and my mommy is dropping me off here this is because I'm coming to see you and uh, what that you're here. Amen. I ought to tell something good about me and Pastor Joe. Uh, we were we were at uh, the mall heading down from Chick Fil A. Went up there and got me a drink and a snack. And the excavator, I was a little bit nervous of that thing, but I've done a little me and Pastor Joe together. And I'd done a little preaching that night. I said, stepping on that excavator, that first step is tough. But once you go down, it it's, uh, carries you. And uh, kind of, so we waited that to when I first stepped into faith. It was very, very tough when I, <laughs> at first, I uh, gave my life to Jesus Christ. And once I took that first step of faith, oh, my gosh, it carried me. And that feels so good. And and I love that moment with Pastor Joe. Amen. Amen. Hold your hand up. One more back here. If y'all agree with that, so give him a big amen. Hey, we do love you, Pastor. We thank God for you. And uh, let me challenge each and every one of you and ask you. And remind myself, pray for our pastor daily. Okay? And his wife, Miss Cammie. We love them. We appreciate them. We want God to bless them. We want God to use them for his honor and his glory. If you're, if you're able, I believe you need to cut me down a little bit. If you're able, please stand. And uh, 
We'll sing hymn number 174, I Will Bless Thee, O Lord. And if you're having trouble seeing the, this uh, screen up here, it's uh, hymn number 174. You're welcome to open the hymnal. And uh, our psalmist tells us in 63.4, Psalm 63.4, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Now, is it just me, or we got some ringing? Sound like we got some ringing here with this mic. Is it too loud? A little bit of ringing. Now, if it ring to the tune of the song, it'd be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> I will bless thee, O Lord. Sing out. And during this song, we're going to lift our hands, okay, when it tells us to. That's scripture, and that's glorifying to God. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. With the heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee, O Lord. With my hands lifted up, First John 4.19 tells us we love him because he first loved us. My Jesus, I love thee. Hymn number 79. My Jesus, I love thee. Sing out. Tell the Lord how much you love him. Purchased my 
should love him amen to that lead me to calvary hymn number 310 first corinthians 2 2 tells us for i determined not to know anything among you save jesus christ and him crucified amen lead me to calvary king of my life i crown thee now Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn crown brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love. Shake hands, smile, wave, move around if you desire. You may stay where you're at, but let's have a little welcome here.
Okay, nothing like a good, good fellowship. All right, as we make our way back to our seat, we've got a special song now by Mr. Larry Davis. You come on, Larry. song lyrics at home and uh, of course my ancient brain don't work like it used to and uh, so I have to have my lyrics just in case and so my little wife as usual saved the day and uh, she ran home and brought my song lyrics back for me so anyway Bible tells us to love one another in many many scriptures and Testament says love one another. And if we love one another, we'll pray for one another. Amen. So uh, that's what this song's about. Pray. Somebody's praying. I can feel. Somebody's praying for me. Mighty hands are guiding me to protect me from what I can't see. And Lord, I believe. Lord, I Somebody's praying for me. <coughs> Angels are watching. I can feel. Angels are watching. There's many miles ahead till I get home. Still I'm safely kept before your throne. And Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Angels are Well, I've walked the barren wilderness when my pillow was a stone. And I've been through the darkest caverns where no light had ever shone. But still I went on because there was someone who was down on their knees. Lord, I thank you for those people praying all this time for 
It's all biblical, too. Amen. We do have guardian angels. Got the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you in a church family like we are, somebody's praying for you. Amen. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. And please pray with me. Our precious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for a beautiful song reminding us that somebody's praying for us. You're always with us in the in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you put guardian angels over us, Lord. We thank you and praise you for the comfort and assurance that we have in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and everything he's promised us. Lord, we this, uh, thank you for this opportunity to come this Saturday and come into your house and worship you and assemble together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you'd uh, continue your blessings on this service. Thank you for the songs and the music and, uh, Lord, the fellowship. And thank you for our pastor and his wife. And, uh, Lord, we just ask your blessings on the remainder of this service. And please, Lord, help, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And for your honor and your glory, everything we say and everything we sing and everything we do would honor and glorify you. Forgive us any shortcomings and failures. Pray for that soul that be in our midst, Lord, that may be lost and without Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. We ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand. We will sing one more song here. Uh, His mercy is more. What a beautiful message it is in this song. And you will see what the message is as we sing it here. Let me get my paper straightened out here. There we go. Psalm 136.1 tells us, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And we can all attest to that. His, he's give us, extended his mercy one more day today, and he has in our past life, which account for many years, and he says his mercy endureth forever. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy. 
and you're all probably wondering why I'm up here. Um, Lord is dealing with me. Um, me, you know, I got saved back in October. Um, Lord led us here. Um, my wife, you know, she made our home church. She didn't really want to leave. Um, but he led us here, and um, through that, I've been saved. My wife's been saved, and we've both been baptized. And uh, But ever since then, we had we had a revival with Taylor, if everybody remembers. And one night, he talked about that we're all linking the chain. Uh, necessarily, Link got to be the one that starts the link. Link got to be the one at the end of the link. But we're, we're linking that chain. And that's really what we're called to be as Christians, a link in somebody's lost life to be a chain to lead them to salvation. And um, that dealt with me, and I was speaking with Joe afterwards. I said, you know, I almost, almost answered, almost, I got the call to preach, you know. I thought, no, nah, it's probably nothing. But uh, it wasn't nothing. Uh, we went to the men's prayer advance, and I strongly recommend it to everybody here. It was a blessing. And uh, Rob Lynch was teaching that we're, we're dead. You know, ourselves and us, we, we're dead. And uh, we should be a, a tool for Christ. It, it should not be our flesh anymore. It should be us wanting to show them him. Um, our motto is, you know, to know Christ and to make him known. That's our job uh, as as believers. And uh, after after he got done with that, feeling all this pressure in my chest is uh like you know let's let's be all in for Christ and uh he he kind of led to me to, to to preach and that's that's why I'm up here today to announce that I have answered the call to preach Amen. now exhale <laughs> but the journey fighting it. I fought it two weeks. Um, after we got done with the prayer advance, um, Joe wanted us to all come up here and say our testimonies that would the next Sunday. I didn't because I was afraid I'd answer the call to preach then. <laughs> I knew that was coming. But um, Monday morning I texted him. I said, hey, I need to meet with you today. And he said, all right, what about? And I said, I'm running from something. I don't know how much longer I can run. And uh, I come, I met with him that evening, and he gave me good advice. He said uh, to pray about it, and not just me, but my wife. Because it's not just me that's, that's going to go do this. It's both of us. Because she's got to be with me along the way. If I don't have her, it ain't going to work. But uh, so we prayed about it. Uh, I, I called my Uncle Michael. He's a missionary. And uh, he lives in Wyoming, and he was supposed to go to Alaska. And uh, I called him the day after he was supposed to get there. I called him. I said, he probably won't answer, so this will be fine. I called him. He answered. Well, behold, his plane got delayed a day. Coincidence? I think not. Um, I talked to him. He said, remember, God doesn't pick the equipped. He equips the unequipped. And uh, me, that would be, I'm not the best reader. I'm, I'm terrible at spelling. My handwriting's awful. Ask Sharon. <laughs> um, but then he, he told me to look at Exodus 4, and this is where Moses and, and God, they're, they're talking, and you know, Moses is saying, God, I, I, he says, And Moses said unto the Lord, my, my Lord, I am not equipped, neither henceforth nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? 
or who makes the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with thee, thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And there's a lot of truth in that. Um, and so he began to speak to me about that. And I called, uh, called my, I called cousin Justin Oaks. He's a preacher down there in Dansville. And I called him, and he's only been called to preach three years, some, somewhere around there. So I wanted to get a, have a younger perspective of it. And, uh, you know, he said, he, you know, he's young at it, but he wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, he said it's a risk. He didn't know what he's going to get into. He don't know what his future is going to be. He said when he gets to preach and gets to see people and just enjoy the Lord, he, he wouldn't change it. And uh, then the last person I called was my cousin Tom. And uh, he's, he's a preacher out there in Wyoming where my uncle lives. And uh, he said, go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. Well, he said read the whole chapter, but verse 10 through 12 is what got me. And he that descended in the same also that ascended up above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some pre and prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfection, uh, perfecting of the saints, for perfecting of the saints for the work of thy ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. And that stuck with me. And uh, I'm still trying to find excuses. Well, my wife has a daily devotion. She opened up her devotion the next day. Guess what was there? Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, he's, he's not going to tell me anything, right? <laughs> and uh, just through that and some testimonies from other people, testimonies from people in this church. There's, there's a lot of people who have a powerful testimony in this church. Um, some I'm related to, some I'm not. But uh, I answered the call. Uh, me and Joe's praying about it, and Thursday I finally just got out of my car and I said, I'm all yours, Lord. You know, I'm dead, I'm all in for you. I don't know what that means. I don't even know if he wants me to be a pastor, evangelist, you know, just going to a mission, or just being here, just helping out. I don't know what that means, so don't ask me. <laughs> but um, I just I just like to encourage everybody else, trust in him. He's calling you to do something, answer it. Because he's a lot stronger than you are. And, and we got to remember that. And uh, I got some song lyrics I'm not going to sing. That's why I got a wife. <laughs> Sharon. Um, was that not Sharon? Was it Crystal? Uh, um, this is a song from Casting Crowns. Actually, I have two. His love is inescapable, his presence is unshakable. Now, right now, you don't believe it true, but a day, better day is coming. You don't need another place to hide. He will find you in the darkest night. His love is holding on to you even when you're running. And that, there's a lot of truth in that. And there's, there's another one. Uh, and it's uh, talking about being somewhere in between. Um, and today, us Christians, we're, we're in between a lot. And we're between a lot of lost people. And... Um, says somewhere between the wrong and the right, somewhere between the darkest and the darkness and the light, somewhere between who I am and who you're making me, somewhere in the middle you'll find me. Just how close can I get, Lord, to my surrender without losing all control? And the, the, choir, the 
chorus is fearless warriors in a picket fence, reckless abandonment wrapped in common sense. Deep water face in a shallow land, end up shallow end, and we are caught in the middle. With eyes, eyes wide open to our differences, the God we want and the God who is. But we, but we will trade our dreams for His. Or are we just caught in the middle? And that's there's a lot of truth in that. But I encourage everybody here. Um, we have a lot of lost people in Carroll County and Eelsville. Um, we're too scared sometimes to even go to our neighbor, our brother, our cousin, even a church member and talk about the Lord. And uh, that's pitiful. I mean, we have the greatest gift ever, and that's eternal life through our Savior. And he died on a cross, and I'm too chicken to even go talk to a co-worker about it. That's just terrible. But uh, I just encourage y'all, if he's calling you to do something, answer it. Um, but just pray for me and my wife. Um, and my and my family, my brothers, and everything, because this doesn't just affect me; it affects people around me. Um, and just pray that He'll give me the words, uh, He'll give me the strength, and give me the wisdom. And uh, that's all I got. Does that sound all right to y'all? We want to pray with Emma as well, and I know that neither one of them like getting in front of everybody, all right? But y'all's eyes are going to be closed when we pray anyways, isn't that right? So it's okay. But we want to pray for them. Uh, God might call the man to preach, but he calls her to preach to the man. <laughs> That's right. There is a weight that you are going to have, and there will be no getting rid of it. And there will be a weight that comes along that you have too. Hold on to the cross. Hold on to His Word. Hold on to one another. The devil will do everything that he can, not just to discourage you, but to divide you up. So as sweaty and as clammy as his hand is, keep holding on to it, all right? And you to her, because I'm sure hers isn't not sweaty either. Ask for help. There's you got all kinds of people out here that want help. you got a whole family. you got preachers in your family. you got one over there. might have another one. Have another one. <laughs> You've got a godly heritage and a godly family here at this church that cares for the both of you. And we will do everything that we can to help you, all right? And we're going to pray for you for this journey because this is a long haul. This is your life, and it will always be that. Whether God calls you, as you said, to be a pastor, a missionary, whatever it might be, you'll know. You'll know. And God will, God will direct. Lean on Him. He'll take you there. All right. Let's all pray for these folks, all right? God, we come to you. We want to thank you for what you've done. God, this is a work of your hands. God, that you have saved this family standing here before everybody today. God, you've saved them. You've changed them, Lord. You've done a work in them, Lord, that they want to serve you. God, how sweet surrender is to simply say, I'm yours. God, I pray that each one of us today would say the exact same thing. We pray, God, for the both of them, Lord, right now. I know that they don't know, have a clue what this looks like, what it's going to look like, or even, even the end. But God, we're not supposed to know all that quite yet. God, help us just to know that today we need to trust You. Help them to know that right now that they must just cling to each other as they cling to You. God, I pray that You would protect them from the devil, protect them from their own flesh. God, as they 
continue to go down this journey, God, we pray that they would do so as you lead them, that they wouldn't take one step without you, you telling them to take it. God, that they would be obedient to you, that they would be filled by you, faithful. And God, that you would just encourage them, strengthen them. Lord, help us, O oh God, because you're calling us to help them. You're calling us to pray for them. And Lord, I, while I appreciate the prayers as a pastor, Lord, we need to pray for these, this couple as, a, as well, Lord. And God, for the work that you're going to do. God, I pray that you give him, uh, them both, Lord, a ministry a hundred times more important than what I've been given. And God, I thank you. Lord, I can't imagine that I'm here today. Lord, I pray that you would give them all that they need and know that you will. So would help them just to trust you. God, we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll give them a hand again. We preached a sermon, didn't he? I don't know if that counts as the first one or not, but I tell you, it was longer and better than my first one. <laughs> Amen. If that's a sign of anything, well, that's good. You're off to a better start than I was, brother. Boy, what a frightening weight it is. I'm thankful. All week long, i got, I got to tell, tell on Josiah for this, all week long, all he's told me is, Quit laughing at me. <laughs> but when you know that weight of what it means that God is entrusting you to preach, you can't help but laugh because of there's a rejoicing of what God is doing and as well a laughter because you know all the uncertainty, what that's like. And so I praise the Lord. Take your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 3 today. John chapter number 3. We're going to be continuing our series looking at God is responding to God's revealing. As we've talked about it, it's God's grace that reveals Himself to us. And we've just seen an example of that this morning, amen, or this afternoon. We find as well that there has to be a response of faith. Right now, He's given me the perfect illustration to start. All that you got is faith to trust God because you don't have a clue about what this holds, and that's okay. I didn't know what it would mean for another 10 years, and I still ain't figured it out. Right, I was 14. Didn't have a clue what that meant. All I knew is that I was going to serve the Lord and, and I told Him that it wasn't going to be preaching. Yeah, you figure that out, right? But it took years. Nevertheless, God reveals, but He calls us to respond. And the only way that we can respond to what God is showing us is by faith. We must trust Him. It is a total dependence. In this passage so far, we've seen several things about God as He's revealed Himself in this passage. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 21. We've seen that God is love, that God is life, that everlasting life. Not just a future destination, but a, a current and a very present uh, power to live the Christian life. An everlasting life right now today. And today we're going to see that God is light. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to that light, that his deeds may be made manifest, 
that they are wrought in God. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to You this day. We just want to thank You, Lord, for meeting with us today. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit. God, thank You for the things that You're doing, God. You've saved families in the past year. You've called a young man to preach. God, who knows what You'd do today. Lord, but we just want to trust You, God, that You're going to meet with us, that You're going to reveal Yourself to us according to Your Word and according to Your Spirit by, by His power within us, Lord, to, to teach the Word to us. God, that Lord, help us, though, just to simply respond by faith, to trust what You say as You've revealed Yourself, God, that it would not just be an intellectual knowledge that You are light, but it would sink into our hearts the very motivation of our life and how we live our life for You. Lord, we love You. We thank You for this time. I pray that You would guide, direct my own mind, my own heart, God, that it would be You that speaks today to Your people and that You would give what is needed to each soul. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, we know that what you think and believe about God is the most important thing about your life. As a matter of fact, it determines your eternal life, where you will go. Everyone in this room has an eternal destination. It is going to be what you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. God has revealed Himself to us, and it is by faith, by grace through faith, that anyone has ever been saved or anyone ever will be saved. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, because we would boast. We do boast. However, the only thing that we must boast in is the cross of Christ. Without the cross, we have no salvation. Without the cross, we have no sanctification. Without the cross, we have no hope of being glorified one day. Without the cross, we have, uh, we have nothing. God tells us what we should think, though, and believe about Him. We don't get to decide that. God has given it to us in His Word. God has given us from Genesis to Revelation, this is who I am, this is what I am like. This is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. Now, what are we going to do about that? Far too many Christians today have made up their own God and their own mind. They have made Christ to be what they want Him to be. They picture Him to be uh, the, the little painting that they maybe grew up with in the Sunday school room that had blonde hair and blue eyes. hate to break it to you, but the Lord did not look like that. As a matter of fact, when we see His eyes described later on in Revelation, their eyes is a flame of fire. Not so blue, right? <laughs> He doesn't look like the Jesus that's portrayed in movies or television or any of those things. We can't make up what we think God should be. God is God. And we have looked at this already that, that God has revealed to us in this series that He's unending, He's unchanging, that God is God, that He is sovereign, that He's holy, that He's love, that He's life. He's revealed these things to us so that we might know Him, that we might trust Him. We don't have to guess what God is like. We don't have to guess who God is. We don't even have to guess how to know Him or how to be saved. It is a fact that is sealed in this Word that we must simply now trust by faith. And it is a faith that is not blind. It is a faith that trusts in the work of God that is sure, that is steadfast, that is unmovable, unbreakable, and unshakable. The more we know and trust God, and the two should go hand in hand, if you know God, you will naturally trust God because if you know God but you're not trusting God, then you don't know the God of the Bible. To know this God as He is revealed means that we've got nowhere else or no one else to trust in or to turn to. That naturally, as God reveals Himself to us, especially and specifically, we'll see in the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, seen in verse 16, that all we can do is simply come to Him by faith and trust. As God reveals by His grace who He is, by faith we respond and we can't help but be changed. The gravest of issues I see as a pastor today is that 
we come unprepared to hear the word, unprepared for corporate worship, and then we leave and we're still unprepared because we're unchanged by any of it. Hearing folks around us in corporate worship praising the Lord Jesus Christ who has bled and died and risen for us, it should change us. Then to hear testimony about what God is doing in the life of a young men, that should change us. Then to hear the Word of God, not because of me, but because of what God does and how He has revealed Himself by His grace to us, that should change us. There's never a time that this Bible is open, whether it's here behind this pulpit or on your dining room table or on your phone, on an app for that matter, that we should be left unchanged. The reason why we are left unchanged is because we often read in the flesh, we think in the flesh, we live in the flesh, but God reveals by His Spirit and we must respond by surrendering our spirit to His. It is by faith that brings these together. Today, by God's grace, we will see that He is light. If it was not for the light of God, all of us today would be in darkness. If it was not for the light of God, I would never have been saved. I would never get to know Him. Without the light of God, there is only darkness. That's why God is so gracious. That's why grace is amazing. I did not deserve the light, but the glorious light of the Gospel one day shined into my heart and I believed Him at His Word trusted in His work and no longer my own, and was changed by the light of God. G.K. Chesterton once said, the issue is now clear. It is between light and darkness and everyone must choose his side. Today, that's the case. There is light and there is darkness. There is the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. I'll let you figure out which one's which. <laughs> You must choose your side. But I must tell you today, the way in which you must choose must not be by your intellect alone or your own strength or your own wisdom or your own power. It must be by faith. Not in yourself, not in your abilities, not in your works, but in all that God has revealed Himself to be to us. The light of God will not be found outside of Christ, His Spirit, or His Word. And all three, by grace, have brought the light and light the way to God. Today, as we see here in verse 19, we're going to see the purity of light. This is the condemnation. That doesn't sound like a happy message. But here this is. It's built all together in this passage as Jesus is once more revealing Himself to us. And He tells us, and this is a condemnation that light has come into the world, but we must understand about what this light means. All throughout the Bible, we find this Comparison and contrasting between darkness and light. Do you think that dark and light is the same? No, that's pretty simple. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Matter of fact, when we came in here today, you know what happened? We turn on the lights. Why? So it's not dark. Because when the lights are on, the dark cannot be there. The, the, the darkness is the absence of light. The light overpowers the darkness. The moment the light comes on, Darkness goes away. And this is why, like a, the mind of a little child, when they see you about to turn their, their, their light off, to hit the light switch, might say, our little nieces used to say it, turn, don't turn the dark on, Uncle Joey. Don't turn the dark on, right? 
like, I'm not going to turn the dark on. I'm just going to turn the light off. But to them, they're turning the dark on. Now here we've got to understand, light overwhelms any bit of darkness. It would not even take that much light in here. Think about this. It wasn't that long ago we had a Christmas service. We had the, the candles and we had the Christmas lights. And yet everyone could still see. You could read your Bible. You could see one another's faces. It still shown. It does not take much to overpower the dark. But both darkness and light are seen throughout the Scriptures and both are likened to either unrighteousness or, or righteousness. Either unbelief or belief. That's the fruit. Now unbelief here is a response. God's grace has revealed who He is, and unbelief is the choice to respond incorrectly. And it leads to darkness. It leads to, to the blind leading the blind, and to wandering around groping in the darkness, looking for truth, looking for answers, all the while refusing to turn on the light, all the while refusing to answer the call that the light has come. Whereas faith is the response that light has come, and I want the light more than darkness. I don't want to live in darkness anymore. But notice this, the longer that you stay in darkness, the more accustomed you become to it. This is what had happened in Jesus' day. Israel, who should have seen Jesus Christ, the light of the world, had been in darkness so long that they liked the darkness more than light. As a matter of fact, we're going to get into this, that they hated the light. Today, we see the world around us that the darkness has been amongst so long that we're used to it. And sadly, Christians today have lived in the dark so long with such dim light shining that we have grown more accustomed to the dark than the light. And these things never should be. There's five things that we see that sort of show us as darkness and light. At creation, we find that God creates light before creating the sun, demonstrating His glory and the dependence of all creation upon Him. We are not dependent upon the sun. We are dependent upon God. If God ceases to be God, the sun drops out of gravity and we drop out of gravity and we're dead, right? Without God, the sun doesn't shine. You can chalk it up to science. You can chalk it up to all these other things. I can tell you this. If God takes His hand off of one of us today, we're dead. One millisecond without the mighty, gracious, yet wonderfully caring hand of God, the moment if it were to be lifted off of one of us, we would drop like that. So would the sun, so would every star, so would the moon, so would every galaxy. The universe belongs to Him. We find that as well as we move throughout the Scripture, the many covenants, and what we find is that God gives light to His covenant people. And we see that Israel was even given a light a pillar of fire to lead and protect them, to guide them. It was the, the picture of God's presence and as well of His promise that He would not leave them or forsake them, that He would be with them, He would be their God, He would take care of them, He would get them to the promised land, that He would protect them, that He would provide for them. It was even Him who brought down manna daily for them in the wilderness, even though they rebelled against Him. This is the light of God. Whereas, notice the contrast with unbelieving Egypt. Boy, they lived in spiritual darkness, didn't they? They had a god or a goddess for everything. They worshipped creation and not the Creator. They lived as Romans 1. They, they lived with a, a reprobate mind. And even in the, this time of Exodus, what God does, who is light, by the way, as we're going to get into, as we see God's light today, the way in which He brings about plagues upon Egypt, as He says, you worship the sun, guess what? I'm going to darken the sun. You're going to walk in darkness, a darkness that you can even feel. Because God is light. 
That's a frightening thing. Anyone ever afraid of the dark at one point in time? Yeah? Anyone still? <laughs> I'm still not that comfortable. I, I, I remember, uh, it wasn't that long ago, it was, it was back in, I think, springtime, and I'd gotten up early, I was walking the dog on the trail, and I thought, you know, by the time I get over to the trail, the sun's going to be coming up. I got over there, it was still pitch black dark. Tell you what, you want, you want something to help your prayer life, go for a walk in the dark, all right? With your little cell phone light and your dog who is afraid of everything, and then have a deer jump out in front of you, and neither one of you see, yeah, the light matters. Walking in darkness there in Egypt, it was, a, it was a picture of their sinfulness, their unbelief, their rebellion as a people. And then furthermore, they, their very last plague, they find that their firstborns would die in the dark of night. This continued contrast between light and dark and light and dark. And then we go to the cross. Jesus was crucified. Was He crucified at night time or during the day? During the day. Nevertheless, what do we find that the Gospels tell us that on that day for three hours there, He died in the thick darkness. As He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. There He is drinking the cup of the wrath of God. There He is drinking the cup that has every ounce of our sin, the very penalty of sin, and is now being placed upon Him, the light of the world dying in darkness. However, Jesus may have died in darkness, but He rose that third day, the light of day. Still the light of the world. Then in the church which we live in today, we are saved from darkness made to be light all the while battling against the evil darkness of our spiritual enemies and the darkness all around us. This is why we sing and teach our children to sing little songs, This Little Light of Mine. Why? Because we're living in dark days. We want to train them. Live your life to shine the light of Christ. But there is one more that Scripture gives to us. In the great day of the consummation, in the end of all things, and when God makes all things new, there will be no more night. It will be an eternal day. And it will be by the pure light of God's presence. The purity of God's light can as well be seen in another part of John's writing. Here he records in the Gospel, but over in 1 John chapter number 1, 1 John chapter number 1, we have verses 5-7. through seven. It tells us this, This then is the message which you have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light. Notice he does not say God is a light. Pagan people worship the sun as if it's a god, and it's not. It's a ball of fire. A whole long ways away. That God made after He said, let there be light. He says, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Even the sun itself has dark spots. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. That's the beauty of the Gospel. That's the message of the purity of the light of God. The message that God gave to us here through John is that He is light, and God expresses in this His purity and in perfection, and all of His attributes. Nothing in God is blemished, 
nor can it be darkened. The light of God shines forth forever and forever, and nothing will ever eclipse it. No one and nothing can eclipse the light of Almighty God. The beauty of God being light is that all of His attributes are seen through His light, through His purity. Every attribute of God is seen and inspected in the fact that He is light. He has a pure love. He has a pure wrath. He has a pure uh, mercy. Nothing about Him is halfway or even comparable to your mercy or my love or your judgment or your justice or your wrath or your anger or your jealousy. All of these things are wrapped up and found in the light of God that show that everything that God has revealed Himself to be is pure because it's seen in His light. His very being. His very person. The beauty of this passage as well is that all that know God will be drawn to the light and display the light by faith. That you and I, if we walk in the light as He is in light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. What is certainly implied here is that not only that we have fellowship with one another, but that we can have fellowship with God. Because God who is light will not have fellowship with the darkness. Matter of fact, darkness will not enter into His presence. This is why in the new heavens and the new earth, there will not be one thing that can defile it enter into those gates of that city. Not one! Because there God will be a light. All will be pure. I don't know what it's like to live perfectly pure, do you? I don't know what it's like to only walk in the light as He is in the light. I want to experience such, and I praise God that one day that day is coming. Nevertheless, until that day comes, we must see the purity of light, and therefore, if God has called us to walk in the light, He has called us to a life of purity. He has called us to a life that our body is to be pure for Him. Our mind is to be pure for Him. Our hearts are to be pure for Him. We are to walk in the light as He is in the light. And yet so many of us, we still flirt with the darkness. Or yet many of us mask our darkness by walking in a fake light of self-righteousness. And it will not do. Only the light of God changes us from the inside out. Only the light of God will do. It is only the light of God of which we must walk in. It is only by the light of God that we might have fellowship one with another and with our Lord. But what else do we see about this light? Not only the purity of light, but we must find that this is not just light as in the sense of some beam of glory, but this is the person of light. The one here in John chapter 3 who is speaking. Jesus Christ Himself. He is the person of light. He is the image of God. And if God is light, therefore Jesus Christ shows us what it means that God is light. If you want to know God, look to Christ. If you want to see God, look to Christ. This is why Jesus says numerous times throughout the Gospel of John, no man may see my Father, but if you see me, you've seen the Father. I've come to reveal the Father to you because you've got no other way. Without Christ, there is no way to heaven. Without Christ, there is no light of God. The light is not merely just a thing that God is or has. It is His very person. Jesus Christ is a light of God. Back maybe just a page in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, I want to read verses 1-9 through just to help us out. We read some of it uh, dealing with uh, in Him being life, the eternal life. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, 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 there being capitalized, it is a title for Christ. It is He the divine Logos of God, the divine Revealer of God. He is the light of God. He reveals the light to the darkness. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. Notice this. And the life was a light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. It's not only that the darkness didn't quite understand it, but it's that the darkness did not accept it. The darkness did not want it. Later on, you're going to see the same thing, that He came into His own, and His own received Him not. We, we just read in John 3, as we're getting into this, that the darkness even hates the light. Do you know what hate means? It means hate. He hates the light. When you were in darkness, when you did not know Jesus, you did not have a love for Jesus. You did not have a love for God. You had a fake, false, religious sense that you thought you loved God, but you cannot love God until you've been changed by His very light and love and been given His very life. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Notice that capitalized there. Now it's a name. It's a, it's a title of, of Christ. That all men through Him might believe. Not through John. Through the light. This is the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through Him might believe. He was not that light. He wasn't. But was sent to bear witness of that light. You and I are not that light. We are here to bear witness of that light. Point to Christ. To point to Christ. That was John the Baptist's ministry. It is our ministry. To point to Christ. To point to Christ. Verse 9 says, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came as one of his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, give you power to become the sons of God, to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the light that gives light to all so that salvation is available. The price has been paid. Atonement has been made. But redemption will not be applied to your account unless you have believed on the name of the Son of God. Unless you have believed Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, died for our sins, paid the price for our sins, and rose in the third day according to the Scripture. Outside of that, there is no life. You will not know the love of God. You will not see it outside of that. You will not know light and you will remain in darkness. Sin brought about darkness, but the Savior brought light. As sin enters in the world, darkness comes. But Jesus Christ has come to light the way. Furthermore, in John chapter 8, Jesus continues His life and His ministry. Jesus is speaking in verse number 12 of John chapter 8, and here's what He says. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. This is one of His seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. I encourage you to study it. You can see this is who He is. He says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Dear believer, if you have been saved, you now have the light of life. You have all that you need to light your way to live your life for Christ. The way has been made. The road has been made clear. The light has been given to now be able to walk freely 
and, and, and straightly along the narrow way. And the only way to do so is by faith. Notice he says this. He says, follow me, where I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he continues to talk about how we must believe on him, and those that believe on him have life. We've been given, specifically as he says here, the very light of life. Jesus is the love of God, the life of God, and the very light of God. And it is that light that reveals God's love and life graciously now offered to us in Jesus Christ, in his person and in his work. Christ is a light that reveals the Father. Christ is the light that reveals the way, and He is the way, the truth, and the life. We must also see this. The person of the light is not just the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit. We must first of all understand that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God who always has been, always is, and always shall be. He was there, before creation, He was there at creation, at work in creation. He was there preparing the way for you. He convicted you of your sins and showed you Christ. And what does He do throughout your Christian life? He continues to do the same thing. Always putting the spotlight back on Christ. Now Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come and He would be a light to enlighten us, to strengthen us, to teach us. John chapter 14. Jesus has just told his followers, he's like, I'm not going to be here. They said, where are you going? We don't know how to get there. Where are you going to be? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He keeps preaching and teaching them. And these are the final hours, if you will. In the final hours that Jesus is preaching and teaching to his disciples, you know what he, or who he teaches about? The Holy Spirit. The Comforter who is coming. The promised one. Today, if you are saved, you have this very same comforter, this very same Holy Spirit of God who is given to them, who is given to us to lead us, guide us, direct us, empower us, enable us, strengthen us, convict us, teach us, to to light the way, to point us back to Jesus, to remind us of our position because if we were not in a position of being in Christ, we would not have the Holy Spirit to begin with. John 14, verse 15, it tells us, Jesus' teaching here, he says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. I could never keep his commandments without the Holy Spirit of God within me. If that were the case, we would never need the cross and we could have stayed in the law. This is why God gave us grace. Furthermore, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now while Jesus is there, he is a comforter to his disciples. It is almost as if, as they are so distraught, just earlier in the chapter... He says, let not your heart be troubled. It's almost like you can hear, you know, there, there, it's okay, right? Let it out, it's all right. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, another comforter, the parakletos, that he may come alongside you, that he may abide with you forever. He comes along as our advocate. He comes along as one that encourages us. He comes not just alongside of us, but inside of us. He is now Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is now our very life. It is a life of God inside of you. Not that it was already there because it wasn't. He had to come in. How's the, how's the Holy Spirit come in and gain entrance into your life? By grace through faith. But how about for you now, dear believer? How do you live by the Spirit of God the same way? By grace through faith. Absolute surrender. And what does He do? He'll take an empty vessel and fill it up and pour you out. And He'll do it over and over and over again as long as you yield to Him. As long as you yield to His comfort. There is comfort 
given by the Comforter in you if you would simply yield to His comforting. Even the Spirit of truth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has not just come to abide in us or to come alongside of us to tell, to go, oh, you messed up. That's okay. You know, just, just remember, you know, it's all right. You know, Jesus loves you. And now he does do that, doesn't he? Absolutely. And praise God that he does because my heart, as 1 John tells us, our heart condemns us. But if our heart condemns us, we can look to the Spirit within us who shows us Christ, who reminds us of our position. But what does he do? He comes along to teach us. You have never learned one thing about God on your own. Not one thing. Nor will you ever. It is the Spirit of God who reveals God to us. It is God revealing Himself to you. The only way that you've learned anything about God is because you've learned it by faith and trusting that He has revealed Himself to you. That's the beauty. That shows our desperate dependence upon God. I would know nothing about Him unless He's shown His glorious light to me. And He has done so. And now you, dear believer, you have the light of God within you who is there to teach you the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because the world's in darkness. They don't want the light. They hate the light. Because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. There's an assurance of salvation. If you're saved, you shall know it. If the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you, you will know. There will be a convicting power that wasn't there before. There will be a teaching power that wasn't there before. If you were lost and you tried to read the Bible, how many of you tried to do that when you were lost? You tried to read the Bible? Did you get a lot out of it? Not one bit. My grandfather got saved the last few months of his life. He was dying of cancer. Just a few years prior before... He had read the Bible. We had tried and tried to witness to him over and over and over again. He read the Bible cover to cover. He took a one-year Bible. He read it. He said, what'd you think? You know what he said? God sure is cruel. That was what my grandfather thought. That God was cruel. It was not until the last months of his life that the light of God burst forth and his eyes were opened. And he was assured. Praise God for that. If it was not for that, my grandfather would have died in darkness hating a God that he thought was cruel. He would have missed out on the love and life that the light had to offer. If it was not for the light, he would remain in darkness. Verse 26 and tells us, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, by the way, he clears it up in case you are wondering, whom the Father will send in my name. Notice the Trinity because they're, uh, they're, they're together here. They're doing a work in you, through you, and for you. He says, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. That is perhaps one of the most wonderful parts. You will learn many things about God, but you will forget at least half of them, if not more. This is why we must stay feeding upon the Word of God. This is why we must stay surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit always works through the Word of God. And if you're reading the Bible outside of being Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, trusting in the Spirit to teach you something that day when you open up your Bible, you will get absolutely out of it. Nothing. Even as a Christian, it does not matter how long you've been saved. It does not matter if you're a pastor. How many times I've read my Bible even this week and I've read it like a textbook? It's a shame, isn't it? This shows me that 
God in His goodness and kindness and His Spirit within me continues to draw me back to Him, to drive me to the Word and to show me that it's not a lick about me or any, anything that He's ever given to, to me for, to use. It's all about Him. It's all about His power, His strength, His teaching. There is nothing and no one that can teach you about God like God. He has given us what we need. The Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God. He illuminates the work of God to us. That's how we know God is at work. He shows us what He's doing. He illuminates the will of God. You will never know the will of God outside of the Word of God, and you'll never know the Word of God outside of the Spirit of God. Robert Layton once said, as the sun can be seen only by its own light, so Christ can be known only by His Spirit. That's how I surrender to Christ. That's how you submit to Him daily, by the power of His Spirit. The Bible tells us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119.105 If we are not Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, Spirit-dependent people, then we will be flirting with darkness. That's where most Christians spend their life. And it never should be. We have been saved from darkness to live and to walk in the light, and we've been given the light of God within us. However, there is still the old flesh that says that darkness sure looks good. This is why we must look to Christ. The light of Christ is always shining forth and is always far greater than the dark. The Holy Spirit illuminates the inspired Word to reveal the incarnate Word, the Lord Jesus Christ to us. He always works in spirit and in truth. This is why you'll never worship unless your spirit is surrendered to the Spirit who teaches us truth. Here in John 3, we find as well in verses 19 and 20 a problem of the light. It has to be dealt with. If there is light and there is darkness, there's an issue, isn't there? Something has to be done. It's oil and water. It won't mix. It won't go together. He says this is the condemnation. That's a problem, isn't it? That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's a big problem. And that's where billions of people are today. Without the grace of God, that's where you would be today. That's where you once were. What we find here is that the darkness rejects and hates the light, bringing about their own condemnation. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Because the problem being in the darkness is that when the light is shining, that you start to see what all's wrong with you. We don't like that. I was fine when my parents they would tell me, clean your room. Okay, sure, it's not that bad. Clean it. And then they'd want to check. Yeah, hold on, don't, don't turn the light on. It, it's bright. I don't, I don't want them. Why? Because the light shows that I didn't dust anything, right? There's an avalanche of dust slowly creeping down my giant box TV. Y'all remember when TV still had a back to it? Weighed 400 pounds. It was just huge, right? The dust everywhere. They would see that I, I hadn't made my bed properly. They would see that even I'm not that clean looking, right? It's a mess. The light shines forth and the darkness wants nothing to do with it. The darkness will either surrender to the light or it will flee and remain in darkness. Jesus, the light, love, and life of God is sent not to condemn, 
but rather to offer salvation. And those that are condemned already are only condemned because they have not believed in the light of God. John 3, 16 and 17 once more. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The only hope for the darkness is the light. The only hope for the darkness of the world is the light today. The only hope for you and the darkness of your own heart and your own flesh and your own life is the light of God. The same light that you needed to save you is the same light that you need to sanctify you. Lastly, we find the people of light. Verse 21. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that His deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. By grace through faith, we are drawn to the light to now identify with the light of God. God's light has redeemed us, and now His light becomes a refuge and a resource to live the Christian life. There will be no victory in your life if you continue to go to darkness. There will be no hope in your life if you continue to go the way of the flesh, there will only be hope and victory in your life if you come back to the light of God. And many of us today, because God at one point had revealed Himself to us and the light had shown, our minds have grown to know much about God and how to live a Christian life and how to do many church things, but we've learned to do them without submitting to the light of God within us, the Spirit of God. And therefore, we do these things in the flesh. And to do anything in the flesh is to do it in darkness. It never should be. God's light, as we see here, leads us to Ephesians 5. A beautiful passage of Scripture that talks about this difference between darkness and light and who we are now in God. Verse number 6 of Ephesians 5 says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. That's what darkness does, by the way. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. That's those who are in darkness, by the way. He says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them, those who are in darkness, by the way. For ye were sometimes darkness. Notice he doesn't even just say that sometimes you were in the darkness. You were darkness. I was the pitch black darkness of sin itself. And there on Calvary, Jesus became such for me. He says, but now, that's our current position and our future position because it will not change. This is now who we are in God. He says, ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And notice that all throughout the Bible, we talk about this at the very first part of the sermon, that goodness and righteousness and truth are all found in the metaphor of light throughout the Scriptures. To walk in the light. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. What a beautiful promise that is. He then says, See then 
that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. It's unwise to walk in the darkness, isn't it? We don't walk there. We walk in the light. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Why? Because the days that we live in today are covered in darkness. Wherefore, be not unwise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? That we just do what verses 15 and 16 told us. That we do what verse 18 is about to tell us. That we go back to the very beginning of the chapter that says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And as children, we're going to walk in love and walk in the light of God. Be not drunk with wine wherein is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It means to be controlled by the Spirit of God. When you were in darkness, you were controlled by the darkness. When you submit to your flesh, you are submitting to the power and control of the darkness once more. To an old master, an old cruel master. And not the Spirit of God within. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing, you make a melody in your hearts to the Lord. That's the light of the church. That's the light of corporate worship and fellowship. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our life is now a life lived in, by, and for the light of God. And here's what this means. Jesus now tells His disciples that you're now the light of the world. Let your light so shine. M.R. Dahan once said, it's not necessary to blow out your neighbor's light to let your own shine. Us good Bible believers would do a lot of good to learn that, wouldn't we? We think that we shine brighter because the person next to us has their candle snuffed out. Or we cut their wick. What a shame that is. We shine brighter when we shine together. We make more of a difference in the world when we are not a house with a candle in it, but a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. That's what we should look like. Moody once said, we are told to let our light shine, and if it does, we won't need to tell anybody it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. You know what God is calling us to do? To walk in the light. He's simply calling us to shine. We reflect the light of Christ. We point everything to Him. We are not that light, but we bear witness of the light. But as the people of light, we shall one day be in a place of light. This is my great hope. Revelation 21 tells us this. Verse 19 through 24, it says, And the foundations of the wall of the city, this is the new heavenly Jerusalem, were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalice, uh, chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysoporus, the eleventh adjacent, the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. That's presence. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon. Now the sun is the source of the moon's light. The moon simply reflects the light of the sun. Had no need for either one of them. Why? For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which shall, 
that which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Then in chapter 22, verse 5, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. We are to be a people of light. So we bring this to a close today. I want to ask you, first of all, have you been delivered from darkness to light? Have you been gloriously born again? Have you, like Paul, seen the light of Jesus Christ and been changed eternally by it? Have you been placed into the light of God? Has the light of God been now placed into you by His Spirit? Let me ask you, dear believer, are you still living and abiding in the light of God? Are you walking in the light as He is in the light? Will you let the light of God purify you from the inside out? Perhaps this is the one that us as Christians need the most today. We've experienced the light of God and we've been saved, but we need once more the light of God to cleanse us from within. Today, may the light of God, as we come to a time of invitation, search our hearts and find not just some cobwebs, but the very spiders of our hearts and crush them to death that we might be able to truly walk in the light as we are called to. Let's all stand this afternoon and we'll have a time of invitation. What hymn number are we going to be singing, brother? Hymn number 482, Jesus, the light of the world is calling. This altar's open today. If you need to come, would you come? Jesus is tenderly calling you home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love will you roam, farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling his tender. Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him your burden and you shall be blessed, he will not turn you away. Oh, come to Him now, waiting today.